I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I think there's something about having your own outdoor store or bait shop that sounds so like, romantic and nostalgic and American dream like you're an outdoorsman and you own an outdoor store so you've kind of made it thing it's something that I've heard many friends and family say oh I'll just start my own little shop or something like that and I have always loved that idea I love people and interacting with them and hearing about their adventures already so there's just something about that that's super attractive to me and I think attractive to a lot of outdoorsmen actually but what's it really like to run and operate one in a small town, you know, from a financial perspective, hours perspective, what if you take on a store that's already pre-existing and has a history and a clientele and now you're taking it over and changing things up? Well, we have Adam with Lucky's Outdoors and we're going to talk about that today. Adam is also an archery coach and raising young kids in the outdoors and talking about what that kind of looks like, you know, sometimes it doesn't go as we plan. I know for a lot of friends and family, you introduce your kids and sometimes there's just certain things you're like, oh no, did I, did I ruin them? What happened? Uh, and we talk about a lot of those kind of things today and I'm just really excited for you guys all to meet Adam and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to have you. I'm really excited. Oh, I know. Here. Good. I I know that you and I have already talked a little bit before we hit record. And I know that we both really like to talk specifically about <laughs> this. If you could just introduce yourself to everybody, that would be awesome. Um, my name is Adam Clark. And um, recently, I'm uh, October of last year, my fiance and I bought a um, outdoor store in Central City, Iowa called Lucky's Outdoors. 
before we bought it, it was uh, known for about 13 years before that as Lucky Bait Tackle. Um, we had bought it from a guy who wanted to transition into the outdoor space. Uh, he, uh, I will say, he realized it wasn't for him. And I was looking at making something, uh, starting something out of my home, happened to uh, strike up a conversation with him, crazy as that sounds. And I, you know, long story short, in a couple months, we ended up uh, acquiring the business. And, and uh, for the time being, we, uh, I have a second job and, and uh, work both places, my fiance. I normally works at the school, but this summer she's deciding if she wants to stay here full time or uh, do both the school and the store. So. Uh, other than that, I recently got certified to instruct hunter safety ed. Um, I'm certified to teach explore bow hunting. Uh, talked to Zach about getting set up for explore bow fishing instructor. And because uh, of my interest in, and my history with trapping, I'm trying to something set up so through the store we can um, use that as an avenue to uh, work a lot getting new people much like you do with um, who have an interest in anything outdoors um, getting them outdoors yeah and I I appreciate that and I I think I think every every state can probably use more folks like that but I know from just the last few years of mentoring and kind of putting myself out there as a mentor and teaching, um, mm -hmm. specifically with like the archery uh, and the bow fishing. There are a lot of people that want to learn it. They want help. They want someone um, to go out there with, to give it a try so they can do it themselves. And there's not enough of those folks um, here in our home state that like want, want to take people out and do that. So that's awesome. And <clears throat> I have been to Lucky's uh, in the past before you before you owned the outdoor okay. store and made it what it is too. And um, it's kind of nostalgic for me. So when I figured out that you were kind of that store was one and the same, I used to pass through there on my way to go fishing many years ago. Uh, okay. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Yeah, there's a, um, it's crazy because as far as the story goes, there's, um, you know, we're in between two campgrounds, um, literally less than five blocks away from the, the Wapsie River, um, you know, just gobs and gobs of farm ponds and, and uh, fishing, you know, opportunities around. Um, but it started out as a, as a small live bait place, 2007, 2009. I actually had the original owners in here, which coincidentally they stopped in for a trout stamp and left, I think five and a half hours later. Um, we got to talking about business and, and just, you know, having a conversation we hadn't been able to have. And, uh, uh, you know, the original owners were excited about that uh, my fiance and I bought it and I'm uh, really excited to see what we're trying to do with it or we're going to do with it. 
but um, there's a lot of people that you know, didn't know the place existed. Um, just as it was, it was kind of a, a place that if if you knew, you know, where you if you need, needed live bait, they just knew about it. But uh, outside of that, there isn't much. There wasn't much. So that was one thing that, you know, um, one goal of mine is to, I guess, bring awareness to everybody that we're here, you know. Um, and then one thing I, I'm probably more excited about getting the opportunity to do, um, you know, alongside grow a business and build something that I've wanted to do for years is um, use it as a resource to help people get out. I have coached the school's archery mask team. I guess that's another thing that I've involved in. Um, and this, I think we're coming into my seventh season of doing that. And uh, what got me started on it was that season's in the middle of, uh, not middle of, but it starts during archery season in Iowa. And I I'm bow hunt and I'd show up wearing my camo or with some face paint on or, you know, whatever may have happened. I, you know, I haven't shown up with blood or fur on me from getting an animal. Um, but, but I show up, you know, it, sometimes straight out of either um, the, the tree or off the trap line. And the kids just get super curious. Now, that's where I get conflicted as a coach and as somebody who wants to take, you know, wants these kids to have these experiences. Do I tell them, you know, we'll talk later, we're here to practice, or do I just entertain them with, you know, uh, answering their questions and, and uh, their curiosities and stuff? And generally, you know, if you ask some of the other people that help me, the other parents or my fiance, I generally end up getting suckered into conversations, which isn't hard, um, and, and stories. Uh, I just, I absolutely love it. And, uh, yeah, one year we had 74 kids on the team and almost all of them wanted to try it. So I guess talking to one of the, the DNR agents at the time and, and uh, she had suggested I go to this new class they had called Explore Hunting and, and look at getting certified for that to get these kids out there. Well, <clears throat> I, I signed up for it. I, I took the day off of work and I went out there and she failed to mention that I was the only non-DNR employee that was going to be at this training class. So I rolled into Wiki Uphill and it's me in my, you know, machinist work uniform covered in grease and oil and my name on the front, the company I work for, and then like 19 other suited up DNR uniform wearing people and I just kind of looked at her and I said I feel I feel like I might not belong here but I um yeah I think it's a I think we need more programs like that one I haven't 
had the opportunity to make everything come together to get any of those classes taught. But I think it's great because it teaches not just how to hunt an animal, but it teaches the habitat in which you'll find the animal, the life cycle of the animal. I, they, you build a fake deer and then shoot it with a bow and then you go find the arrow and whatever's on the arrow, you learn how to read an arrow to figure out how much, you know, where you shot it, what kind of time you have left to, to get it or, you know, uh, everything related to reading an arrow and all the equipment. It's just the very condensed version of everything that you generally learn the first few years of going out with a family member, which, you know, fast forward to getting all that done, a bunch of these kids were curious about it, and the parents all come up and said, oh, I'd love to do that too, but nobody ever took me out hunting or fishing or trapping or any of that stuff, but it sounds fun. So, you know, that, that, on this idea of just helping people that wanted to get outdoors get outdoors and and kind of has just been something that's been rolling around in the back of my mind but you know and everybody stops into the store and has a question I take the time to answer and help if I can and if I can't then we go over to my computer and find somebody that can which in turn has led to me passing along the mentoring information through the DNR that you work with um, quite often and trying to get people set up for that just because, you know, to me, it doesn't matter to me where they do it or how they do it, it's that they do it. And, and generally, once they do it, they are upset they didn't do it years ago, <laughs> which has been yeah. the case for some of the things that I've gotten into now in my call it older age with my gray hair but um yeah and it is it's something that you just don't you don't know what you're like kind of good time you're missing out on until you get a chance to do it i haven't really cracked the code exactly on what it is but there's been so many conversations i've had where like just yesterday, I was at the grocery store and this girl was helping me take my groceries out to my truck. And she, uh, I was like, oh gosh, I'm sorry. I did not clean my truck out before coming. I'm like, I got all my fishing gear in here and I did add fishing rods and I still do. Yep. I have a tackle box and everything in my back seat and a dog kennel. And there was like not room for groceries back there. Yeah. And she, and she was like, I've always wanted to get into fishing. Uh, and I could tell she was like a young, like teenager. And, mm -hmm. um, she's like, I've always wanted to get into fishing. She's like, I just don't really have anyone to teach me. And I was like, well, I go, I live about five minutes from here. You know, I just happen to be like yep. where I live. And I'm like, my, my full-time job is actually planning, hunting and fishing opportunities for kids your age. I was like, but also me on the out, like outside of that, I'm local. Like, I know it's probably weird for adults saying that to you randomly, but you can look me up and know I'm legitimate. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm like, I'll take you yep. fishing. I'll take you fishing. I'm like, do you want to go hunting? And her reaction is like, 
uh, very, it doesn't matter if it's like a kid or an adult, the yeah. reaction she gave me is one that I get a lot where they kind of like, I go, do, would you like to go hunting or try hunting? And I get this kind of like far off look where they're pondering it and they go, well, I think, I think I would, I think I yeah. would. And, but they, it's such an overwhelming, um, thought that they don't even know where to start you know because it does seem like something that's really hard to get into if you're not like introduced to it and it's and it it can be right but there's a lot of layers there but it's it's interesting uh from that side um watching that on a lot of people's faces and I would say it could be a mix of people not wanting to tell me to my face that they don't want to hunt maybe they don't want to tell me Maybe it's mm-hmm. a little bit of Iowa nice where I don't want to tell her no, but I'm going to like <laughs> kind of like dance around it. Yeah. But I do think that a lot of people have like a natural primal um, instinct to want to do that and like know something about it and like be a part of that. But I don't know, working at an outdoor store, maybe you have a different perspective. I Let me it's, tell me what you think. It, it's, it's the curiosity, you know? Um, it's a lot of younger people remembering their grandpa doing it and, and it's not like, you know, so my fiance and I, between the two of us, we have five kids. Um, I, my, my son, we, we don't have any kids together. She has three, I have two. So my oldest one will be 21 next month. Um, loves guns, loves animals will not go hunt with me. And I told him, I said, that's fine. Let's try it once. So when I was younger, I didn't think I liked the idea of shooting an animal either. But then I did it. And so we went out and, and I took him over to a friend of mine locally has a berry farm that is just crawling with uh, deer. And it's it's a place that they unfortunately just sold the property, that chunk of property that we always hunted on. Uh, but it was, you could set literally within a three minute, a 90 second to a three minute window when those deer were gonna walk back. So it was just easy to take the kids out there and say, all right, all you gotta do is be quiet for an hour. They're gonna walk by. You'll see one, you feel good about it. We'll take a shot saw a yearling walk by, stopped because he moved, went to draw back the bow, boom, made eye contact with them. And I knew right then that it was that it was a done deal. We weren't doing this anymore. Oh no. And he, and he, <laughs> he lets the bow down, he looks at me, he goes, Dad, I just can't do it. And I said, You made the mistake of looking at the eyes, buddy. I said, that's the hardest thing to get past. And it is for a lot of people. And you know, so it's become a thing. He was 13 at the time. So it's become a thing to where, you know, when it's something that he just doesn't want to do or, does, you know, something of that nature, I just tell him, like, don't look him in the eyes, buddy. Don't look him in the eyes because, it, it, you know, for them, then it was that personal connection. He's, he's an animal lover. His mom's um, whole family is, is very big into, you know, protecting animals and humane society things like that and I, i've never you know i 
everybody needs to be passionate about something. Um, and I've just told them the whole time, you know, I don't, I don't get down on you guys for the things you're into, you know, disrespect me and, and what we do. And, and, and the biggest thing for him was he didn't know until he took that opportunity, but he used all of my equipment or I talked to people, my friend got stuff that would work for him. So there was absolutely no cost other than his youth bag that we needed to go out there and learn this experience, which to me, I think it was 27 bucks, 2750, something like that for the youth bag was far better money spent than the $2,000 I could have spent on buying him all of his own stuff, to take him out there and have that single family. Yeah. Which is where I think things like the mentoring program and, and just working, you know, it, it, getting people out to, to do, you know, or ride along or whatever. So when my fiance and I moved in together, when I first moved to Central City, I was originally from up east of Waverly in a small town called Weedland. Um, and so when I moved down here, I didn't know enough people to access land. Well, when my fiance and I moved in together, she lived here all whole life. She knew people who, then it became a predator control problem. Well, oh, I got some raccoons I need gone. And so then I'd bring the kids with me. I'd say, here, we're, you, know, you guys want to learn to trap? This is how we do it. This is how it works. And, uh, you know, it's always been that way. I just tell everybody, so you guys can come along if you want. We'll sit out there and you'll see what it's like if you like it. You know, then, then you'll know. Well enough, you can save your money or talk to mom and dad, put it on the Christmas list or whatever method they go about to get it. And, you know, even even just coaching archery in the school, um, well, I've upset quite a few parents over the last six years of, of coaching because everybody has the impression that that their son or daughter is going to be the next baseball grade or football star. And then they put the bow in their hand and it, it's so much fun. So enjoy. so such a feeling of accomplishment to take that bow, put an arrow in it and shoot it, you know, 10 to 15 meters, hit something the size of a quarter. And then to be able to do it again, do it again, do it again. And you know, first year, my kid shot. My oldest boy was in middle school, and at that time, third grade was the first year of of the archery season, and he almost got it handed to him by a girl in third grade. He only beat her by like one or two points that round, and he just come back. He's like, "What happened, Dad?" Next, <laughs> you know, it's the same equipment. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is though you, know, you don't have to be any you know shape color build anything you just have to follow your basic steps for for shooting principles and you can beat anybody and uh you know i and I, i'll shoot with them during the season and all the kids and more often than not some of these kids that are are uh 
on top of their practice more end up beating me by an arrow or two and it's quite the confidence booster for them because I've been doing this for so long that never be able to beat me but you're so difficult to beat or I should know you know I should be so good hit all tens all the time it's like it's not the case you know um but yeah it, it's the it's it's the prestige you know uh, I have a lot of kids come in with grandpa a lot more grandpa than 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 dad um a lot of grandmas come in and buy fishing licenses and hunting licenses and tags and stuff for for uh, birthday and Christmas because it's important to them that the kids get out of the house and off the TV and off the video games. And so why why is it a sorry to why do you why is it more grandpa than dad? What do you mean by that? I I don't I don't know I don't know if it's you know, like the family environment is, is mom and dad are, are working and grandpas are retired and have the time to take it. I don't know if it, you know, in some instances it's, um, they don't have school today, they don't have babysitters, so they go hang out with grandpa or grandma. You know, I know when I was younger, um, my grandpa was, was like, uh, you know, my dad, my biological father wasn't present for a good chunk of my life. Um, and when my mom got remarried, I, you know, our, I, actually my stepdad was the one that uh, was the first one to put a bow in my hand and, and try and show me how to shoot, which, you know, probably was a very challenging task for him. Uh, especially because when I was younger, the, the kid stuff wasn't around. But even when we were shooting out in the front yard, he was trying to teach me. He was trying to show me. And then all of a sudden, you know, his dad would roll out, Grandpa Bill, and he, he'd park the truck right out there in the edge of the yard and he'd sit and watch. And when, you know, when grandpas talk, people listen. When, when parents talk, kids roll their eyes and ignore and stomp away and, and you know it, it's just a whole different uh atmosphere when you know grandpa and grandma start passing on some of that that wisdom and sage advice if you will because you know, if you think about it who taught you know mom or dad to hunt and fish and do things outdoor it was grandpa or grandma so if grandpa or grandma wants to talk to you or take you fishing, you, you get the feeling that you're going to get the good stuff. You know, you're going to get the secrets. You're going to get what, you know, nobody else knows, that kind of stuff. And, and I think it's really just a, a freedom of time thing where grandparents are, you know, retired and have nothing but time on their hands, as, as uh, a lot of my coming will say. And, and uh, as I've seen with, you know, my grandparents and my parents now that they become grandparents say clearly you get far more patience in your life when you change titles from <laughs> dad to grandpa and yeah. uh you know mom to grandma your patience level increases exponentially to where trying to explain something to a grandchild is far easier than than your own child so and i've you know i i also with my own kids you know um 
and I've seen it with kids in the archery team with my own kids. If you, you know, I can't get the point across, I'll call grandpa and grandma. And in a 10 minute conversation, everything's all squared away. And, and it's, you know, they won't ever say dad was right, but, but uh, we just don't have to have that conversation anymore. So I think it's a combination of, of, you know, time and, and respect or admiration for grandparents and, and, um, you know, grandpa and grandma have more time on their day to, to be able to sit down. I know a lot of parents, you know, myself included with running this place and working another, another job to, so we get this place rolling how we want. You know, it's, uh, I know my parents and, and, uh, in-laws have, have done a lot more explaining and teaching than I've, I've just had physical time to do. And uh, yeah, I'm very appreciative of that because, like I said, hey, whenever I say anything, I'm just just the bad guy. So it keeps me out of the bad guy status a little longer. You know, that's something, a lot of what you're saying, though, I think, obviously, it, it's, it's hard to summarize it all, right? Because every family dynamic sure. and situation is not yep. the same, but... Uh, I relate to that and it makes me really think about the, the gap in, so, so if you look at like the statistics of hunting licenses, mm-hmm. even though we have, I talk about this a lot on the podcast, women are the largest and fastest growing demographic in the outdoors, right? Yep. But it's still not enough right now we are still losing four to five percent of our hunters every year for like the last like 15 years or something like that yep. every year we lose the number of hunters by almost five percent every single year and basically what that is it's the the boomers and um mm-hmm. that generation is is literally getting out of hunting or they are you know unfortunately dying uh yeah. so there is not a there's a gap in a passing of uh, in the passing of knowledge. Um, and I, and I, I want, and again, this is just a general statement. This is not, a, there are so many nuances and exceptions, oh, yeah. and, you know, this is not a perfect science by any means, but it just, it's something I, I ponder, um, of, you know, in my head, I'm like, why didn't they pass down the knowledge? Like, why was that not passed on or was it passed on? And it was passed on in a way where that next generation is just not interested or Mm -hmm. they valued other things in life above that and part of me thinks part of me thinks there's a I I don't know how you'd break it up uh percentage wise but that that whole uh the valuing of different things in life I think that's a huge part of it because generations ago you were hunting for your food and because Mm -hmm. you had to to an extent Versus that next generation, hey, we're all going to hustle and we're going to make more money than our parents did because we got an education and that's what we were pushed to do and we're going to work our tails off. So I don't got time to hunt. Yeah, I know how to shoot uh, a 22, but I ain't passing that down because I don't got time. And like, I think that is probably what happened for a large percentage. But I do think that's interesting. Like that dynamic, it's, I don't know. It's sad. it's it's definitely what it is and i i can tell you i don't you know 
from talking to my grandpa, who, like I said, I, I did, yeah, I worked for him for all of my teenage years and right up until my oldest boy was born. And he did it when he was younger because that was the 30s and 40s. It was, you know, um, I, he was born right at the beginning of World War II, uh, right before, I mean, right before World War II. So, after, you know, after World War II, everything became industrialized and, you know, you didn't have to go out and hunt, trap, or catch supper. You go down to the store and buy it. So there was, there wasn't an, a necessity. So then it went from a lifestyle to a hobby. And, you know, um, when you become busy, one of the first things that gets neglected is your hobby. And, but also, you know, I, you need a hobby to keep you sane so you can go through the regular rat race that you're, you're trying to do for the sense of accomplishment. And I spent the younger part of my life with my grandpa trying to, you know, in the mentality that, that uh, working hard and, and, and working a lot was the only way I was going to get anywhere. And, and that was what I thought was giving me a sense of accomplishment. And then I got back into outdoor stuff. And like I said, you know, being slyer than the fox made me feel a lot better than, than, I got out of putting in a 65 hour work week and you know, hey, no story to tell. I mean, you look at, you look at it and I, I've said to my kids a lot and, you know, I, I had mentioned about the uh, older generation coming into the store. What's your story to tell? You know, when you spend your whole life running through your, you know, office job accomplishment or your factory job accomplishment what story are you going to tell your grandkids you know what story are you going to tell your kids what story are you going to tell the guy that runs the the outdoor shop or the bait shop when you go in there to buy your stuff you know it, you can't you can't uh you know hang a 60-hour work week on the wall like you can yeah. a nice buck or you know you can't have that memory with your children or your grandchildren that your children or your grandchildren are going to tell their children or grandchildren about how awesome that office job you had was and how you spent the whole summer of you know 2020 working from home because that was an epic year and you did a lot of cool things but you can when you go out and do stuff outdoors, you know. Um, <clears throat> one of the first things that that was mentioned after I drew my black bear tag and we had bought the, the store here was I walked in, I said, boy, these walls look empty. And my kids all immediately said, does this mean we get to start mounting the fish that we catch? And I said, I will let you pay 100% to mount those fish and I will hang them in the wall on the walls of the store proudly but the rate you guys catch fish and decide they need to be mounted, I don't think I can sell enough 
night crawlers and minnows in a year to pay for all of the fish you guys want to mount. If I could, I would, because, you know, that, that's, that's the story. And, and that's what, that's what people don't realize is the, is the accomplishment, you know, um, we were briefly talking before we hit record about other podcasts we listen to and things we, we like about them. And it's, it all comes back to the story, the story and the experience, the experience leads to the story. The story leads to, you know, I've had a conversation with my kids before who spent hours just looking on Instagram and, and YouTube and Facebook. And I said, why don't you guys go outside and be the people that everybody's looking up on YouTube and Instagram? You know, I, and I, they said, well, we don't know how to do that. And I said, well, first thing you got to do is go outside and then do something worth telling a story. You know, they don't call them short videos. They call them stories. Something you're going to tell somebody, something you're going to show somebody. And that's what everybody likes about hunting and fishing. Everybody remembers the camping trip with whoever, grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, aunts, uncles. You know, going outside creates that. You know, 80 years ago, it was it was called, you know, getting supper or dinner, and now it's, it's entertainment. Um, and entertainment as in, you know, not just going out and you know, killing everything for fun, or, or, or you know, you, you still use the stuff. Yeah, you know, Iowa has has the waste not or uh, whatever that's called. Where yeah, if you take it, you have to uh, take what's usable. And that's another thing that I think we've lost is, and another thing I was, you know, I have hours of conversation with customers about what you can do with everything. You know, I, like I said, I, I'm a trapper. I've trapped off and on for uh, a good chunk of my life. And I, first thing everybody says, is fur price is down, ain't worth it. First thing I ask is, well, how much money do you make off of fishing or deer hunting or turkey hunting? You don't. You do it for the experience. And if you break it down and you do things like your grandpa and grandma and, and great grandpa used to do, you know, and money's your objective, you can get your money back out of any given animal. It's just going to take more work. But the work's not the objective, the money. And, you know, it's just the only people who know that are grandpa and grandma, you know, or great grandpa or great grandma, you know, um, because it's been lost as it hasn't become a necessity. It's gone from necessity to uh, hobby, you know, or, or, um, fun activity, if you will. So. 
Yeah, and I think there it definitely has changed in history and like in different origins of the the country. Um, like depending on how it was looked at, because if you look at something as so long as something you have to do, uh, you probably don't appreciate it or um, see the beauty in it. If you think in your brain, you have to do something versus like, and I get to, and this is like an awesome life, you know, like it's like farm, it's like farming. If you talk to, I mean, I think most farmers, ranchers, like actually really love what they do. I think for the most part, but if you talk to, depending on who you ask, there'll be like, you'll, you'll get the whole, well, there's no money in it. It's a lot of work. It's, you don't have a life. And then you could ask the person next door who maybe does the identical type of farming, identical thing. And they might say, it's a hell of a lot. Like, you know, they might agree with all the negative things, but depending on how they present it, say, Hey, this is a hell of a life. And I wouldn't want to live my life any other way. And I think depending on how it's like, it is in your mind when you go into it with like this positive thing, because, because to me, like people can say to me all day long, well, you don't need to hunt though. Like, cause I put a lot of my money and my time and my life and work and hours into hunting they're like well you don't need to do that it's like well actually I kind of like it's one of the very few things and and there's a lot of different types of hunting so it's not a few things but there's not very many things in life that make me feel the way hunting does like it just doesn't nothing else is um there's not a drug out there that's strong enough you know there really isn't yep and that's what, so, like, there's days when I, I before we bought the store, um, and I would, I would spend a good chunk of my, you know, falls and winters um, hunting and trapping, and there would be a day, you know, I, I, I'm a metal worker and a machinist, so on day shift, the days start between five and six in the morning there'd be a day where i'd go to work you know i'd get there things would go south in a hurry and i just text my fiance i said hey i'm taking the day off i've got it i'm going out hunting or she'd respond respond with you know she asked me how my day was she'd finally wake up she asked me how my day was i'd just say hey it's not a good one she'd respond with maybe you just need to go sit in the trees take a day off and I knew, she knew, you know, everybody that I told her I was going to would know that there's absolutely no chance of me seeing a deer, but it was sitting in there from sun up to sundown and just watching everything and being outside, being in that experience. And, and that's what I needed, you know, and, and that's what a lot of people need. She, she had, uh, unusual as it normally is because she's not a morning person at all is up to see the sunrise and kind of the world wake up you know birds start chirping animals started moving you know hey the the morning world came alive and she's like man this is beautiful and i said this is exactly what sitting in the trees during deer season or in a blind during turkey season is like and i said sometimes i just do this knowing i won't see 
an animal, but it makes me feel better. You know, it's my inner peace. It's like you said, better than any drug you can get. And, you know, anything else you can do. And um, it's, you know, it, it's just amazing. She goes, I, I might be able to try this. I mean, at, right afterwards, I'll probably fall asleep, but. You know, at least I saw it. That's well. That's that's a start. That's what it is. That I think once some of the new people see, now all of a sudden it's worth getting up early in the morning to to um, get out and try this. And uh, you know, you get to see parts of rivers and, and wildlife areas that you don't see driving by. You don't see from the parking. And, you know, it, it is, I, I don't, I have people go, but you don't really need to go do that. Why would you want that? What's the purpose of that, you know? I mean, you just got into trapping, so you know what, wading through the, the river up to your waist, trying to make one set's like, you don't need to do it, but, and you feel a lot better when you got it done and, and something comes of it. You know, and if you didn't, you got a story and you got an experience. You know, you add that to your your storytelling for the kids and grandkids. And I don't, and I, I, I never, I don't want this to come off as downplaying um, anyone else's hobbies or, you know, what they like to do for fun or anything. Um, but, and, you know, I, I have other things I love besides hunting but like kind of not really pretty much all my hobbies like interject <laughs> with that somehow sure. like you know I like to hike and I like to camp but yep. I can make a hiking camping hunting fishing trip into one thing you know uh, yep. and I I like I like to read and I love podcasts and I love lifting and exercising but nothing motivates me to exercise more than a hunt that's going to be physically hard <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of all it's kind yep. of all like in there together, you know? Um, but, but I, I don't, again, I, I don't want to downplay anyone, anything anyone loves to do, you know, like, like art and, and mm -hmm. travel and, and knitting and whatever, like whatever it is. Um, but like, if, if you don't have a hobby that relates to the outdoors at all something I, I guess it's hard for me to wrap my brain around because there's so many like every you know a lot of people have like kids and jobs and financial responsibilities like we all do or should probably have those responsibilities of some kind but like if you're not filling your life up with some of those other things, like those outdoor things, then what are you doing? Like, and that's just like where I come from of in my, in my head, I'm like, what are they doing with their spare time? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I've had, yep. I've had seasons of my life where I was in a corporate job and I was working my face off and I don't really drink or party like a lot or at all. Um, mm -hmm. But when I was in a corporate environment, you pretty much worked hard, played, played hard kind of thing. Oh, I yeah. had a short stint of that in my life. And I, and it, it was like. It wasn't as satisfying. 
Yeah, yes. It was fun, but it was like an empty, it was like an empty fun. Mm -hmm. Like it was fun for the the night or the the moment, but it wasn't something I look back on and like I'd have some laughs about it, but it wasn't fulfilling. Exactly right. It wasn't fulfilling. And um I don't know. And you you go it goes back to, you know, the story. You know, you can go out and do that stuff well half the time when you get you know and when i was younger i had my fair stint of party partying and and that same type of experience going on but that's not anything i'm going to you know nine times out of ten after the night's over the weekend's over you're not going to run around and brag to everybody you know how much you had to drink or how much stupid stuff you did because generally you're you know, not so proud of some of those actions when you get into that. So, you know, that's where it, it comes in empty. It's not fulfilling. It's not anything you can tell somebody that they will be, you know, jealous of. Like, oh man, I wish I got into that. That'd be so much fun. You know, it was. And, you know, not impossible to do. You just, you know, it, it's free for everyone, essentially, yeah. you know, public grant public ground belongs to everybody everybody can get out there and do the same thing that i did or you did or yeah anybody else you've helped mentor in 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 the process do um but for a lot of people it's the you know nobody wants to look like they like a fool or like they don't know what they're doing or be unsuccessful everybody wants success but success comes in different ways you know yeah um for me a lot of my success is just learning how to do it Mm -hmm. whether i'm you know i get the animal or you know the trap catches anything or i catch fish or any anything of that nature i did it i have that experience and slowly over time it's turned into now i'm the one that gets to pass that along to other people who don't and you know that's the other thing with i think with the generational gap too is you know you get to my parents or or that that boomer range it was on uh, you know just pay work hard so you can pay somebody else to do it. and you know um guided trips were were uh, a very big thing at that time i've had actually Two or three customers since since we've taken over the shop that have come in and just said here's the deal i've worked 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 most of my life and i decided i'm done doing it so i hired somebody to run my business let's sit down and figure out everything i need to do because i'm not paying somebody else to take me fishing anymore. i want to be able to have all my own stuff and go whenever i want and you know, we sat down, we made lists, we ordered stuff in, we walked around the store and picked things out and, and we talked about interests and, and what they wanted and and we come up with stuff to at least get them started. And I, I made that very clear to everybody, actually. You just, you just want to get started. It doesn't take a lot to get started because you might think you want to be, you know, the bass master when you find out later on that catfish is where it's at and uh they end up you know 
out. Hey, it's totally different. <laughs> I mean, Did you just same, say yeah. when you find out catfishing is where it's at? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoken like a what, true river rat. Yeah. Spoken like and a that's, true river rat. But that's where, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that'll come in looking for one thing. And then once they get out there and start doing it, you know, they'll sell off everything you've got and go in a yeah. completely different direction. Yep. And, but you don't know that until you try. And, you know. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a difference, especially if you're someone that, because um, there, I think there's like a couple types of, you know, again, broad stroke here, not yep. before anyone comes at me. Uh, you, you typically have people who will hyper-focus in one thing or one or two things and like get really, really good, like expert at something. And then mm-hmm. you get a lot of other people who maybe become like a jack of all trades. They want to try everything. Um, and I definitely think there are, there are, when it comes to hunting and fishing, pretty much everything's on the table for me. I probably find joy in all of it. Um, but there are definitely things that I want to go do and then like not do myself. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't need the whole like setup for, you know, Sure. I don't need every piece of equipment. I'm not going to put my last dollar into it, but then there are other things where I'm like, Ooh, I want to be really good at that. I want all the things for that. And I'm still finding that stuff out like now, you know, like, and I've been, I'm only 30, but I have been hunting and fishing my whole life. And there are certain types of hunting and fishing that I'm like, Oh, I, I, I'd quit this to do that, you know, like yeah. I, you know, and then it's, it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. And, and it is. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, um, I've tried to explain to, you know, people that just like my kids or a lot of the conversations with customers or students at the school that know me that I, you know, that we have this place and I coach the archery program and I do the outdoor stuff on my own I just tell them I said sometimes it's it's just as much about finding out what you don't want as much as it is what you do want because when you find out what you don't want that narrows down what you do want but you need to try it first and and uh you know you find people that are willing to take you which again goes back to grandpas and grandmas because they generally have more time and again once you get that promotion your patience level increases exponentially as well but uh you know there's there's certain things i haven't tried because you know it it just wasn't um i guess on your radar yeah yeah well yeah so like i know um you've got your bird dog and and, um and you've talked a lot about pheasant hunting well when i was younger pheasant weren't as predominant as they were it was in a time where you know there was a, a low population of pheasant so to go pheasant hunting was you know that was that was a big deal you didn't do that very often you found people that had you know property that actually held enough pheasant to be able to shoot more than one and it was just never my time um, you know, when I was younger, and as crazy as it sounds, ice fishing is 
is uh, when we bought the store was one of the biggest seasons for this place because we're so centrally located. And that is why I have been there it, so many times. It was right. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just, and so when we bought it, you know, my fiance was talking about it and I said, I, I you know, real talk, true confession. I said, I've only been ice fishing once because when I was growing up, we caught firewood and that's all we did. We had the entire family to cut firewood for. So we rode snowmobiles and, you know, worked and, and split firewood. It was just never an opportunity. You know that, and where I grew up, there wasn't a ton of places to go ice fishing without doing a whole lot of traveling. To shut everything down for an entire day to go out there was asking a lot of my parents and and my friends' parents and, and aunts and uncles that were all around that same age that were brought up, you know, working hard and working a lot and not doing a lot of the um, outside stuff that, that uh, is considered more leisure, I guess. Um, so I had to turn around and, and uh, just go on to a massive dive on learning everything I can learn about ice fishing and uh, bringing myself up to speed on that, which is okay because I'm a nerd for learning new things. Yeah. But um. You know, and, and so you, you get into all the other outdoor stuff on you know, pheasant hunting. I don't know if I'd like it or not. I mean, just the thought of it sounds pretty darn appealing, but I've never done it before because there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity where I lived when I was younger. And same for ice fishing. I can tell you after this last season of being through ice fishing, I know what I'm buying before this ice fishing season hits and what I'm making plans to do before this ice fishing season hits. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and that'll be a first time for me. Well, if you uh, ever want to come, I mean, you're not very far away from me and there's some good areas by you, actually. If you ever want to come uh, pheasant hunting with Myself and my sleepy little bird dog here, wherever, where is yeah. he? He's right there. I think you can see his little face. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him riding in the boat the other day. Yeah. He looked so happy. He was, he was so happy. Yeah. I've got. He's figuring out got, that water isn't that scary, that he can swim. He is getting yeah. over his fear. So that's exciting. We've got uh, two dogs at home. Um. We've got two dogs at home. One's my youngest boy's Yorkie Poo, which currently I'll have to send you a picture. I told my son to give him a haircut and he cut his hair into a mullet to match his. So now my son and my dog have matching mullets. And uh, then my bigger dog is a black um, pit ski I bought for my fiance. I, first Christmas we were together and the whole deal was um, we had to keep the name and the registered <laughs> name was uh, Brad Pitsky. So on all of his paperwork it's, it says Brad Pitsky and, and uh, when we first moved into the house she'd yell 
for Brad outside. I kind of looked around one time I was outside working and I told her, I said, I think you're going to have to stop yelling so many things at the dog because I'm pretty <laughs> sure the neighbors who don't know me think my name's Brad. And sure enough, two, day, two days later, one of the neighbor ladies walks by and waves at me and my daughter goes, hey, Brad, how's it going? So I went oh, right no. back inside and I told her, yeah, you got to stop yelling stuff the dog out the back window because the neighbors <laughs> think my name's Brad and they think that I have a problem with going to the bathroom on the back deck. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty hilarious, but on. Uh, I had a, I had a, and I, I don't know if this is, I, I, I'm, I'm coming from a, again, I'm always so worried about like offending people, but like, no matter what I do, it's, I'm going to offend people, but Mm -hmm. my puppy's name is straight, like, like damn straight or George straight, the country singer. And so it's S T R A I T. And, um, and I, I am, I am not saying that I'm just saying, this is just what happened. This is like not a, a judge, a judgy thing by any means. Uh, mm-hmm. Something I thought was interesting is a lot of kids don't know who George Strait is. Right. So oh, like, yeah. so when I say, so when I say straight and they like see him, especially his puppy, they're all like, ah, like puppy. Um, <laughs> I have had two different occasions where a child hears me call him straight and then I say and I go yeah his name is straight and then they ask me um well like what if he's gay (laughs) and they're and they're and they are and they are coming from like an innocent place you know like like uh why would you name him that yeah yeah you know like almost like I am I am saying my dog is straight, you know, I, I yeah. know. and it came from an innocent place. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, what? Like, I never anticipated that question. Yeah. It's happened to me never. twice. And yep, never even I'm, crossed your mind. Yeah. I'm like, no. And then both times I'm like, well, I go, he could be, and that's okay if he is. <laughs> and, then, and then I say, but he's actually named after George Strait, the country singer. And they have, you know, yeah. they have no idea. Uh, oh yeah and it's like it's just it's hilarious it's hilarious like it again it comes from like the best place but it it cracks me up yeah I've I've on a on a slightly related topic had that same realization about younger people I work with not knowing things like that yeah yeah um which happens every generation right every everyone well yeah, this this year I had the uh, uh, well, say this year it had been last year my previous job I had that uh, running so my old lead at the machine shop was young enough to be my kid, and so are the two guys at my new night shift job that I just started. Uh, they're not much older than my oldest boy. And I cracked a joke and referenced something and they stopped and looked at me and with a blank stare. And then another guy who's close to my age leans over to me and goes, hey man, I think they're too young. I just don't think they get it. And I look back and, and they're like, yeah, Adam, we have no idea what you're talking about. 
I got, I got a hold. I have you talk to my stepdad about it at one other point in time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I hit that point where I'm the old guy at the shop that I used to, I used to uh, seek out to hang around because he knew what he was talking about. I said, no, I was wondering why I couldn't find that guy at my current job. And it turns out that I might be that guy. <laughs> I said, I'm not ready to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, all my uh, references nobody knows about because I'm too old. <laughs> yeah. And I am like such a, um, one, I am definitely a people pleaser, but I, I love people like immensely. And I am, I am just like a, I just, I find all, walks of life all kinds of kinds all generations i find them interesting and i love getting oh, yeah. people and i'm very accepting of people and i just that's just like that's just how i'm wired i've just always been like yep. that and so for me to like realize that sometimes the way i talk might be like offensive or um like hurting someone's feelings or making them think that i'm like super judgy i'm like i don't know how to I don't know how to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to say because I Oh, there, there's <laughs> definitely people that I've I've just I've gotten to the point where, you know, I'll say something just like, you know, in the instance of your dog, they turn around and you know, it won't be coming from a place of innocence. It would be coming from you know, I, I guess whatever else you want to call it. Yeah. Where I, they make a point that you know just like there was something I want to do. It was over over uh, a color, and it immediately got twisted up. And I'm like, you know what? No, we're just done talking to this person. Yeah. You know, I. I it's it, so hard. There's no and, winning. Know, honestly, actually, kind of goes into a lot of our conversation because, because, because on because on one hand, I am such an advocate for people standing up for what they think is wrong and putting, you know, like to an extent. Mm -hmm putting people in their place, if they're being a bully, if they're not being a good person, you know, like I, I love that and believe in that. I also have the stance of like, wow, people are super sensitive to, oh, and, yeah. and get offended by everything. And yeah. something that I, you know, when I teach, I actually talk about this in a way, um, quite often near the end of like whatever workshop or whatever it is, I talk about the ethics of hunting or like of your game how to show up mm -hmm. on social media, how to talk about it. Cause I have made yep. plenty of mistakes that I did not know that were mistakes, but to be fair yep. as an outdoorsman, someone is not going to like what you post. Someone is not yeah, going to appreciate gonna be somebody. Yeah. you, you, yep. you're not going to appeal to everyone and that's okay. Like that's not, that's okay. But, um, it is, yeah. uh, it is, um, one of those things that I do think is important to give someone perspective on because if, especially if you're sensitive, like me, yeah. <laughs> when someone, <laughs> when, when someone hates on you for now, again, I, again, broad stroke, when you've got yeah. like the picture with your, you know, with your animal and you're proud and it's just like a good picture, there's not blood, there's not anything goofy happening. It's just like a picture with your dead animal people are still going to find that like to not be great. Right. Yep. And they're going to have something to say, whether to your face online or, you know, behind your back, whatever. Um, 
there's always going to be that, but just like, there is kind of a way to show up. Um, and I feel like people need to know that because especially nowadays where everything is online, you, you, people, yep. I think might care more what other people think about them than they ever did before. Um, wow. You where know. people are caring more about what other people are, are doing and other people are thinking than caring about what they're yeah. doing. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, that's another thing that goes along with, yep, getting outside and being the person everybody's, you know, talking about as far as, as making a story to tell and stuff. Um, yeah. That was another extent of the conversation with the kids I had when I told them, well, you should be the guy and be the person everybody's watching the videos on and, and talking about and everything. And, and uh, but yeah, yeah, it's not always good talk. Somebody's going to just hate just because it's not them yep and okay so so i know well because we've already been talking for a little bit and there's some things i wanted to ask you and like yeah. pick your brain on um for this episode too that so for me and just being around so many different types of outdoorsmen especially small town small town men and women um the idea of like having an outdoor store or like a bait shop is very it's one of those like romanticized things that mm -hmm. people go, you know, I, I've heard my dad say it multiple times. I myself have like been working on some stuff to sell bait out of my house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. yep. You know, like I, I really love and admire that and all of the, um, and nothing wrong with like big box stores necessarily mm -hmm. or anything, but all the small town uh, Iowa outdoor stores that I know and the owners, I absolutely love them. And I love going there and I love, uh, the knowledge that these people have and how they help me. And just like, you know, I, there's a lot of romanticizing of it for me and like other people, what has that experience been like for you? And like, why did you, there has to be a little bit of that for you, right? Like to, to buy this and do this, like, what was, what was that, that like for you? Well, um, like I said, I, I got back into outdoor stuff when my kids showed an interest in it. And, and for me, I grew up, I worked, I rode motorcycles, I raised motorcycles because that's what my grandpa did. And going back to the admiration of a grandparent, you know, and, and the respect and, and impressing the grandparent. But that's, that's the environment I grew up in. And I had multiple other people show me outdoor stuff. I always had a, you know, a, a back of my mind kind of desire to get more into it. But it wasn't until my kids showed interest that I, I one day I was like, hey, something we could all do together. We could all enjoy. I'm kind of a, I don't want to say obsessive, but when I get in, to something I go all into something. Um, I, I engross myself in, in in a lot and borderline obsessive with it. Um, you know, I. But we were we all like to get outdoors, and I thought to myself, if we're going to own a business, it needs to be something everybody can enjoy. Because the one thing I've always known is if I really enjoyed it, it didn't seem like work. And I didn't have a problem 
thinking about it nonstop per se, you know, uh, definitely, uh, nobody has an issue with, uh, taking an extra 20 minutes on a trip to stop by the store and see what they've got, stop by the store and see what they've got, you know, like, uh, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the women in, in both my side of the family and my fiance's side of the family, you tell them you're going antiquing and hitting all these little gift shops and everything, they are all over it. Well, it's the same thing for guys. And now, you know, women are getting more into it with outdoor stores, you know, and there's times. I remember when Shields first opened um, one of their big stores that people made a a day trip out of going to a Shields or when Dick's came in the big stores, you know, it was to see what they had. And, and, and for those big box stores, it's to see what they have because they have a lot of everything. But when you get to a small town shop, it is the experience. And that's one thing that, you know, we're currently I don't want to put a time frame on it because I don't think it's ever going to stop, but we're in a constant state of remodeling evolution with the store. I don't know if you saw behind me, that's a, two walls I just put up for a video we did for, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of work with uh, the Fisherama and Cedar Rapids for the uh, Boys and Girls Club. And they wanted to shoot a video or give away a bunch of stuff. And, got a lot of stuff going on with them and uh they wanted to shoot video in the store and i'm like wow oh. you know the place is literally a you know a, an office building but to a steel shed so started working started working I have a family member who uh, i managed the lumber company in wisconsin uh she stopped down she goes you know what looked really good there cedar and i said you know what Coincidentally, one of my favorite woods. Let's hook this up. And I sent down a whole bundle of cedar, which I thought was going to be just enough to do it. Turns out it's about six times just enough to do it. So everything in the store is going to get done in this uh, cedar, which makes the place smell amazing, makes it look like the inside of a log cabin. And, you know, that kind of environment coupled with, like, we're going to have more aquariums with fish that you can catch in the area. So the kids can go see what, you know, I've got a catfish here right now, two of them named Hank and Helen that my fiance named when she decided we were keeping them. Um, you know, Hank and Helen are in an in a aquarium sitting in the store. Kids absolutely love looking at them. Every once in a while, I let them throw a minnow in there, a waxworm, and they'll feed the catfish and they absolutely love it. They just go nuts for it. And, and that joy of them getting to do something like that they've never done before makes the maintenance on that fish tank every bit of worth it. Um, you know, but it's for the small town shops, it's the experience, you know. Um, I, Saturday morning, there's a small group of guys that come out and, you know, um, a couple of them are, are tied in pretty well with the uh, Northland Fishing Game Club. One's my neighbor. Absolutely love it. My fiance knows that 
generally about eight o'clock in the morning, if I'm going to be busy, I'm going to need help because me and, and you know, Owen, the neighbor guy at the fishing game club, he's going to come out and I started carrying some camp chairs with here in the store. And I've got one here that he sat in, he likes. And I said, all right, well, he's going to stay there. You know, as long as he wants to come out and sit in there, then he comes out, walks right in, sets, you know, sits down uh, right in that chair. And we just talk about fishing, trapping, baseball, football, things going on in the community. He lives next to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. So, yeah, I, and we talk about the remodeling they're doing to their house, just everything. And, you know, that's the kind of the break from reality and the way things you know always used to be the Andy Griffith moment if you will on just sitting down and and actually talking to people in the community and still staying involved and that's what small town you know outdoor shops or bait shops would do you know um another guy stops and everybody wants to know what's fighting everybody wants to know how things look on the river that's just a conversation starter for I'm not ready to go out yet because it's too dark, wet, or cold. So, you know, let's BS for a while and, and catch up on stuff. And my fiance always tells me, she goes, you're, you're way better at that than I am. She's like, I can scoop them out minnows if they need to, but you've got to talk to them. She's like, I don't know how to talk to these people. Like, you know how to talk to these people. And I said, well, I've got quite a full few more years on talking to people than you do. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, I enjoy it, you know, um, nobody comes into a shop like this mad. Everybody's getting ready to go have a moment or an experience that hopefully leads to them having a story to tell. So everybody's excited. Yeah. The closest I came to having somebody upset was uh, one guy come in twice in an hour. That third time he was he was kind of steamed a little bit, and uh, I asked him, "Man, you know, why, man, is everything okay?" He's like, well, upset. He's like, "Man, this one northern down there by the dam." It's like, yeah. my two best lures. I had my tackle box, and you don't have either one of them here. That was closest <laughs> I had to an upside customer. And the worst, the biggest, biggest problem for him was it was the same northern got both of them because every time it jumped out of the water, he could see his lure stuck, oh stuck in its mouth. So he's like, I got to get it back just to have the fish and have my lures back. So I went back, you know, we, we went to the wall and found something close that would, that would work. And, you know, he told me what he had and walked over there and, you know, I could joke with him a little bit, calm him down, because, you know, that's frustrating to have that happen twice by the same fish. It's like the fish is messing with you. And he really wanted that fish. He goes, I don't even want to keep it. I just want to take my lure back out of its mouth and throw it back in the water, let somebody else deal with it. It's like, I'm so mad at that fish right now. I couldn't even keep it and clean it. And, uh, you know, found him the right thing. Calm them down, got them leveled back out, sent them back into the game. And uh, I don't think he ended up catching it next time I talked to him. But, you know, he was 
he felt a lot better, a lot better that I didn't just point at the wall and stay over there and turn around and go back to doing something else like like they would have got somewhere else, you know. And I've worked in big box stores like that. It's it's tough to have a relationship with a customer because of the requirements of the job. And absolutely. You know, that's one of the other things that I like to about the, you know, and I tried to tell Raven same thing. She's like, well, I just feel like I'm, you know, talking and not doing anything. I said, you know, we own the place. We can talk all day if we want. Nobody's going to yell at us. (laughs) That's our job. And it doesn't, you know, I'm just, I, I think that I speak for a majority of people, but you know, there's going to always be the person who's going for the cheapest, best deal. But I, I personally will spend more money with a store or any business that helps Mm -hmm. like take care of me versus, um, yeah, they have what I'm looking for. Possibly maybe they have a better price, but I will go out of my way even in this environment of expensive gas to, (laughs) to, to go to a place that like has treated me like a human and has, um, helped me. Um, and not that, you know, there are, I have friends that work at big box stores that are fantastic (laughs) employees, but for the most part, um, the, the privately owned stores, um, you know, the mom and pop shop, like, most of the time they treat me better and I don't know what that is exactly, but, um, they just do. And so I'll spend my money with them most of the time. Oh, and that, that carries over. I've had a lot of people ask me since we bought the place, you know, and the reason for it is we expanded the showroom and we're moving the fish and stuff into the back room where I just showed you the wall that we're doing because we're going to be the first time I've said it anywhere other than the showroom, but we're going to be getting into um, archery and bow hunting and then expanding the camping line. So when you came here last time, you'd walk through the, the wall, the door with all the windows on the wall and uh, off to the left would have been nothing but pegboard. That's all going away. That's going to be all of the archery and bow hunting stuff and then in another room we opened up is going to be the fishing hole the sign my mom likes to be crafty she's making a sign says lucky fishing hole I'm gonna point through the door so you go in there and see all the fishing stuff but uh which then uh, right there so that's part of it showing you i don't know if this is going to be on any video of any sort but it's it basically almost it increases the store by 50 percent and so there's a lot of empty books as I'm trying to set things up in a much more organized, methodical manner. It looks like some of our, our walls are bare. And, I, and it, so everybody just assumes that we're having trouble finding product. And I said, no, we're not having trouble finding product. I just have to look in 10 times as many places to find it. And I'm, um, but because I have to do so much work to find one thing, um, it's gone to my preference of dealing with vendors is uh, very, 
dependent on how difficult it is for me to spend my money. I had one distributor I was trying to set up with right after we bought the place. And it was like every excuse under the sun they had as to why they couldn't get the paperwork done and why this wasn't working, why that wasn't working. I flat out told the lady, I said, I have never in my life had this much trouble spending my money so when you guys feel like you want to have another customer, shoot me an email. But until then, I'm taking my business going to people who are easy to deal, deal with and <clears throat> want to don't want me to shop there. I want everybody to come here. But I also very much understand if a big box store is blowing out, you know, I just had a customer post on Facebook and I had sent him a comment about it just more giving him a hard time than anything not not trying to be yeah i wasn't upset about it uh i just kind of had him look you know gave him my perspective but he had posted one of the local big box stores had you know, 25 or 35 percent off of all their rod real companies which is a good deal you know, by all means, that's a good deal. That's that's getting you're getting close to what I can buy them for. And uh, I've had good, good customers stop in here all the time. Said, hey, can you even match that? And I said, nope, that's that's less than I can buy it for. I said, if you're gonna get yourself one, grab me one too because that's cheaper. <laughs> that's that's cheaper than I can buy it. But you know, um, I just kind of pointed out to him. You know, I said hey, we're we're doing quite a bit with sponsoring your club and and helping you guys out with your activities. I hope this place is doing the same thing for you and you're just not giving them a bunch of free advertisement to unload a bunch of inventory they mistakenly bought and aren't helping anybody when they come in. But there's an aspect too to where if you know exactly what you want. Yeah. And and there's there's no work involved. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't have Walmart hours, but, uh, you know, there's plenty of times early in the morning, late at night, the guys know what they want. If there's no question to it. They can walk right in, grab it, and go. I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing if I were in their position. Yeah, even owning the place, if I'm out on a trip, I need something. I'm not, you know, I know what I want. It's quick and the only place that's open. That's one thing, but, but yeah, I mean, I try and we try here <clears throat> to uh, definitely not be those, that type of store. Uh, as far as the pricing and stuff, I, I try and keep it reasonably close to what everybody else is selling it for. I've been to those places that it was a, uh, well, I'm the only game in town, take it or leave it. And I don't care how nice they are to me after that. That kind of sours me on everything because it tells me a lot of the way, you know, the type of, of business they run, the people they are. Uh, by, you know, anybody saying that comment to me, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I just, it's not me. Yeah, I, maybe I'm, I don't know, like maybe 
maybe I think I've been taken for a ride so many times that I get kind of stubborn about this sometimes, but you know, I, um, went to go buy a new Vexlar. So if people don't know what a Vexlar is just like, um, basically a fate, a fish like sonar for ice fishing, uh, it's a brand. And, um, I've had a Vexlar before. I know quite a bit about them. I know how to use them. Uh, but I was looking for a new one and I didn't know, you know, which one I wanted exactly. Like I was kind of going back and forth between like the 20 or the 28 or, you know, the 12, whatever, whatever, whatever I wanted to yep. do. And I also needed new ice rods too. So I, I was going to spend some money, like quite a bit of money, but I also was going to try to get as much as I could that day. Right. Cause I needed new, all yep. I, like all new ice fishing gear. So mm -hmm. I went to a big box store and went right to the Vexlars. I was looking around the fishing department. There was multiple people working. Um, no one ever said anything to me. They were helping. Uh, I don't want to make it about like gender, but they were helping the guys sure. there. Nobody was helping yep. me. Um, I, in the past, in that same store, had someone ask me if I was looking for something for someone else one time. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way that you're asking, like, that's felt like such like a 1970s yeah. or earlier thing to say. So I was like, yeah. and this guy was like my age, roughly. I was like, okay. And so um, <laughs> that to me, there was already a strike against the store. It wasn't the personal yeah. salespeople necessarily, but so then I go to the Vexlars and I'm just looking and I'm just reading kind of, I, the thing I was really concerned about was kind of like the depth of what it can read. Cause I, you know, I'm primarily fishing farm ponds uh but wanted to take it like you know i'll go north like wisconsin minnesota fishing too so sure. um i was kind of basing my decision off of that but i knew enough information and had used them before where i didn't need a lot of help but i just wanted like to someone to help me with one or two questions right uh, yeah no figure out the difference as to whether it'd be justifiable yeah. to go up to the biggest well, one or if you needed it no one's helping me no one's helping me they're helping everybody else i'm like okay and this uh this very nice gentleman uh, comes up and he goes, you know anything about these things? Like he's a customer. I go, oh, yeah. I go, uh, I go, I do. I go, I, you know, I'm, I, this is what I'm deciding between looks like the one that I want, they don't have I'm like, but no one's helping me. So I'm like, I can't ask for it, you know? And he's like, well, mm -hmm. he's like, can you show me how to use one of these? And I was like, yeah. And so I bring it, they have it, you know, plugged in and everything. So um, I were charged up. And so I show him and I explain it to him and a salesperson comes around and he just like hangs back and watches and he's like, has, you know, a smile on his face or whatever, but yeah. he like hangs back, watches me teach this man who's old enough to be my grandfather, how to, <laughs> how to use, how to use a Vexlar. And the guy checks it out and he goes over and helps the guy. And then I just leave. And then I went to the, uh, small town store oh, and I bought my Vexlar and I bought my wow. two ice rods at a different store plus jigs plus lot I mean I spent wow. close to a thousand dollars and and it would cost more at that other store but to me like yeah, it was worth it it was worth it because yep. I just wanted one question answered I wanted to see if they had the one I wanted in the back no one would help me they already yep. had a strike in my mind against them so I was like pretty much 
done with you. So yeah. Yep. I've been there. That's what, yeah. Yeah. I will. I'm the same way. Um, well, so Raven's never seen me. I don't want to say lose my cool, but get firm with somebody on the phone. And lately we've just had a, a slew of people trying to get better credit card processes. And they'll call and like, hey, you got a heck of a deal, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I'm already tied in for three years. Call me back in three years. Oh, no, we can. And I finally, one time I slammed my fist down. I said, sir, you're not listening to me. At this point, even if you could save me thousands of dollars a year, I would not bring my business here because you're not listening to me. I'm trying to explain to you the situation we're in. And you're not stopping long enough to listen to me, which tells me that's the same way every other business transaction we're going to have is going to go. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it goes back to buying products put in the store. If you're easy to deal with. And, you know, because of that, I've actually switched. I shouldn't say switch. I got some distributors that I got, you know, I get nationally known brands and, because I have people come in looking for that. They'll, you know, they'll come in, they'll throw down a name brand, they'll throw down a specific style. And if I have it, I take it over to them. If not, I say I don't, but there's a guy locally makes something just like this. I can drive to the guy's house and pick them up if I ever need them. There's never a problem with shipping. There's never a problem with quality control. A lot of that stuff, you know, but one of them, like a fishing rod uh, company. There was a falling out between the, the previous owner and his company. And some words were said that I thought were just being an exaggeration when I heard the story initially. And then I talked to the company rep themselves. And he goes, oh yeah, no, that's what was said. So now I'm on a bottom of the line waiting list to get back in to get this very well-known Midwest made rod company. Well, in the meantime, there's another kid lives uh, you know, with a 30 minute drive, has a good well-known name in the, uh, in the area for ice fishing rods. And I uh, I sent him a message about his ice fishing rods. Well, it was late in the ice fishing season. So I said, next year, I'll definitely get some. Can you make any open water rods? So I can't get this company in. He's like, well, I do, but I've never sold any. I don't know what I'm doing. I said, all right, come on down. We'll, you know, hang out in the store. We'll see what we can come up with. He goes, I can make them. I just don't know the rest of them. I said, well, I'll work you a deal. We'll put them in the store and I'll have to get the sales back set up, you know, but for this year, we'll just sell them here. <clears throat> so you get everything taken care of. And he's like, Oh, I'd appreciate that. And I said, well, I appreciate you even giving it a chance. They're phenomenal rods. And, uh, they're, they're, <clears throat> there are, you know, a couple price points lower than, than the rod they're replacing for the time being. 
nice thing about it is I can call a kid up in two weeks. I can have whatever rod configuration you want. But it takes a little bit more work selling it because they don't know who it is. So they get it in their hand, then all of a sudden they forget about the one they came in for. But that's the level of working with me that I'm able to get by, by, you know, uh, and I like, I like the fact that I can get the same experience dealing with these companies as people expect to get from the small town bait shop, the small town outdoor shop type of stuff. And, uh, you know, we're all kind of working together to get people outdoors. And that's, that's who I like to, to do business with, you know, everybody makes money as the, the side benefit kind of thing, or, you know, some people are in it for the money on, and they, you know, either get sorely disappointed or, you know, sell out or, or just quit doing it, get frustrated because, you know, very few people are going to be millionaires making fishing tackle but you do it for all the other side benefits. You get the stories, you get the experiences, you get to go fishing with people normally you would fish with, you get to go, you know, on the hunting side, you get to go hunting with people you normally wouldn't hunt with. I actually inadvertently got tied in with a group of guys who make hunting equipment in another state. So I bought their product and asked them if they had another product, which set of climbing sticks and they said uh no we don't have that yet and i said all right i'll make them at work they actually the guy called me back and he goes, you said you'd make them at work how i said i'm a genius i'll just make a simple set to get me up in a tree and that turned into i did some design and, and prototype engineering type work for them help out and they go what do you want we need to know what you want for this contract before. And I said, guys, I'm just happy to help. This is cool. This is a cool experience for me. You know, I said, yeah, I do want something. But I said, I don't know what it is yet. I'd like to be able to use the product that I helped design. And I'd be happy with that because, yeah, I mean, first off, it's cool. And, and uh, the relationship I built with those guys uh, was well worth it. You know, I haven't uh, asked for anything other than to make sure that when I get the hunting side set up, I get their product in my store, which again, benefits both of us. And, you know, I, it was, it was an experience just like, you know, first time I'll go out pheasant hunting, that'll be an experience. That'll be something I'll probably talk about to everybody for a long time, you know, whether I, I get one or not. Um, but you know, it, it, that's why we. That's why. I do it. That's why we do it. The goal eventually is to have this place going. So it's it's my only uh, workplace. I don't have to have a second job to make sure things are going while we get this place up and running. Um, but it doesn't feel like work. So. You know, it's not the end of the world if that doesn't happen immediately, which I know it won't. 
you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, this place is every day is is a different experience. I meet so many people that are passing through, or you know, I had one couple, younger couple, stopped in last year. It blew my mind. Stopped in last fall. They were from just east of Peoria, Illinois. And they were camping at the campground here in Central City. They were looking around behind some stuff and they were pretty, pretty shocked that at the side, which a lot of people are because we've grown it. We bought it. We brought a lot of importers. It's bigger than they thought it was going to be. And we had more stuff than they thought we would. Things of that nature. But uh, I just stopped and I said, so why here from Illinois? And they kind of laughed. They said, well, every year we take a trip and we just open the map and kind of throw something at it. And wherever that lands, we find the closest campground that we can go uh, camping and fishing at. And that's where we end up with that happens here. And I said, oh, man, that's interesting. So we talked a little bit about the difference between you know, outdoors in Illinois and the outdoors in Iowa and the drastic difference. And, uh, you know, they, they made an experience of it coming in and I've never seen him again. I hopefully see him. I haven't seen him since, but hopefully I see him again. You know, um, if they ever get up in the area. And, yeah, I mean, that was just something I would not, I wouldn't do that running a machine at the machine shop that I worked at. And that kind of, you know, I don't really say it made my day, but it made my day more interesting. I, I agree in everything you said. And, and that's like how I kind of like what I was hoping to get to is I know, especially in today's world, there's a lot of um, actual physical stores are hard to have physical, like everyone wants to go virtual, doing things online. And there is a huge benefit to that in so many aspects of, you know, everything. But um, I, I just think sometimes there are risks and, and hard things worth doing because of the, the benefit, you know, both like financially and like for your life, but also um, to make that time in between worth something like that's something that not that hard manual labor, blue collar work is not worth something because it absolutely is, right? Um, mm -hmm. All of it, all of that matters. But I know it, it just, it's how you described your time at the store and like what you're doing is how I feel about um, the podcast. And it's how I feel about uh, outdoor mentors, my job. You know, I took, I took uh, risks and some uncomfortable moves to, do the job, do the podcast. A lot of life has happened in between um, that made some of this really hard uh, financially. And, you know, I haven't, I just started making money with the podcast and yeah, I've been yeah. doing it for two and a half years. Yep, um, yep. And I'm not really making it because I put more into it than I make anyway. Um, but I didn't do it for money. I did it like when I think back of, the conversations I've had with people, the friendships I've made, the cool shit I've gotten to do, the things I learned, oh, yeah. the, yep. I get to spend like, yeah, sometimes I stay up late at night editing and talking to people and whatever. Um, but I get to just like, 
have this constant buzz in my head, yep. you know, of like these conversations and connecting with people. Like, and so I feel just so similar to how you feel with your store and hearing their stories and why they're there doing what they're doing. Um, you know, and just pe- you instantly kind of have like a connection with these people, even though you might be very different. Um, I, I think that's really special. And that's what I was wondering about, you know, having like a, like a bait shop and an outdoor store too, is like, that's just such a special, it's special, such a special thing that very few people get to have with their community and, you know, passerbys, you know, that you don't mm-hmm. get that very many, any, any other way. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Like we'll have a, a lot of customers come in. Well, and like you had said, earlier too everybody would like to have a place like this everybody would like to have a lot of people say i'd like to have this lifestyle i remind them i said i don't think you would like to have it if you had it because we've we bought the place october 1st and i have not been here three days since october 1st and I never, I've got this thing where I understand the, the uh, mental strength side of doing things. And I, I'm a firm believer if you just don't acknowledge it, it doesn't exist. Like the fact that I'm tired, I just don't think that I'm tired. You know, my fiance will tell me all the time because I work full night shift and I come here and I've only slept about four hours a day since right before I had kids. And uh, uh, she was worried about me uh, doing that. I said, well, I'm just moving the four hours from the middle of the night, middle of the day, or right away in the morning. Yeah, I said one or two. But that's all it is. It's the same you know, amount of being awake and doing stuff. Uh, but then I had a coworker asked me, well, how much time do you spend there in a day? And I said, well, I never even thought about that. So I started adding it up and I've been here no less than 42 hours a week, every week that we go in the shop on top of uh, my other job, which is 45 to 52 hours a week. <clears throat> I've worked since we've, you know, we've owned the place. And uh you know, a lot of people say, well, that's a lot. I, I couldn't do it. And I said, if you enjoyed the non-financial rewards as much as I do, you would, it would be worth it. It's, it's like, almost like a Saturday night bonfire on a beach every day at this place. Um, you know, in all reality, that's the only thing that's missing the beach and the bonfire. And, and uh, I've had a couple of people ask, and I'm really trying to figure out how I can make it happen. But uh, a couple of people would say, you need to, you know, start need to move the, move the grill there and start cooking. And, and uh, everybody will come over and, and uh, hang out then. And I'm like, I'm sure they will because nobody turns down free food. But, uh, you know, I, I as much as as we're here and 
as much as it doesn't feel like that feeling you get when you're at your job, you know, you're just like, you can't wait to get out of here. You can't wait to leave. Some person you work with walks in the room and just looks at you and you're like, oh, this day's going to suck. That doesn't happen here. And, and that's why I never once thought ever since we've owned the place that about being here at least 40 hours a week on top of a regular job, you know, or second job, I call it now. But uh, I've never thought about that. You know, it, it's interesting to build a business. It's interesting to meet people. It's interesting to do things that people in the community really are appreciative that you're doing. And I think the reason it isn't done more often is along the lines of people not getting outdoors to experience that a lot of people want the paycheck before the work in a sense to where you know nobody i can't say nobody that many people that i know that have been through the store would do what raven and i are doing to not only keep this place here, but grow it how we want to. Um, and, and we've got an overwhelming support from not just in the central city, but a lot of the areas around. There's not a whole lot of stores like this open anymore. There's actually, between the day we bought this and Thanksgiving that year, I, I think I counted eight, eight that closed three reopened and two, <clears throat> two closed down again within two months. Um, but coincidentally, a lot of the reason for that was the older people that own the places retiring and nobody wanted to take them over. It, it's just a generational thing. You know, and I, I've explained to many people in my family who give me a, a hard time about working so much and never being able to retire and I said I, I don't think I'll ever retire I don't want to retire everybody in my family that I know that has retired has not enjoyed life as much as they did when they worked in a place that they love and uh, uh, I said if anything we'll just get the kids to run it so we can go so we can go uh, fishing hunting and camping more and still own the place, just not have to be there as much, you know, which is the end goal ultimately. But you know, I love to have that done in 10 years. But even then, I don't know if I would get the same feeling not being here as much as I do for being here and, and doing this. And, and when we first bought it, Raven was very, very worried about that. We just actually had a conversation yesterday or the day before about the direction and the goal. And she did say, she goes, I've got it. I do like this a lot more than I thought I was going to. Not just for her, it, it's the opportunity to do more things like she handles all of the inventory 
we receive in. She puts it online. So we have a website that drives our cash register. So it all has to go online to be able to be sold at the cash register. She loves doing that stuff. But she also loves that. She sees people come in. Kids get excited about seeing the fish tank. They get excited about going to the perch. Uh, catching their first fish of the year, or their first fish, a new fish of pole, things like that. So that's what makes it worth it for her. You know, she loves kids and, and yeah, she's a people pleaser too. So when she gets to make somebody else happy, she, yeah, it, it uh, makes her day, you know, gives her a, a, a little bit more of a feeling, which it does anybody. Gives them a little more of a feeling of accomplishment to, yeah. to know that they made somebody else's day better. Yeah, and there's something about like, you know, I, you know, the comment I made about just selling bait on my own too. Just, yeah. um, I weirdly, uh, and not even like, because of finding, I don't, I can't even really explain it except for maybe summing up everything that we talked about is I, I actually really enjoy the process of catching bait, like, okay. um, mm -hmm. for whatever, for whatever, yeah. I don't know, I'm wired weird, but I, yeah. I take, someone's got to, right. But I, I enjoy yeah. it. Um, and I, I got so much satisfaction after this last few years of doing a lot of like catfish trolling and learning to use a cast net and being pretty good yep. at it and like catching our shad and, catching creek chubs and like doing different stuff to like for you know for our, for our bait um it's kind of like that that provider thing where i get a lot of satisfaction out of uh getting the baits so then we can like go fishing and like have a successful fishing day i also yep. get a lot of satisfaction of like um when i'm hunting or i forage like pick a bunch of mushrooms or whatever and then i give them to people oh, like yeah. so they can like cook and like be successful mm -hmm. I get a lot of satisfaction of being that like connector of like, look what I yep. got for you and doing that. And, um, knowing what they're going to do with it and like what they're going to do. And like that whole, that whole thing, I, I don't know what that is, but maybe it's a little bit of just wanting to feel connected and community and like being a people pleaser. I don't know, but, uh, I feel that. And I think would be, I think it'd be very fulfilling to, um and be a part of it, that for it, people it is very much and that's what that's what um i think so the, the one thing i wanted to do since before we opened this or before we bought this place was um come up with a way to everything yeah, every aspect of it. Uh, not necessarily be able to teach everybody every bit of it, but connect people with people with the information they need to learn how to do what they're interested in. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'll have somebody asked me something I'm like well I never even thought about that but hey let's go take a second go over to the computer and let's learn it together and and we'll figure everything out and I said oh well that's what we need I know a guy that does that I know a guy that does this and, and 
know, I'll either call that person and say, hey, got a customer here, it's got interest in this, you know, fill him in. And nine times out of 10, that customer will come back and tell me everything about it or that person. It's not even necessarily a customer, that person, that friend, that coworker, that, you know, community member will come back and say, yeah, yeah, this is what we figured out. This is how we're going to do that. And then I learn a little bit more from that, a little bit more from that. That helps me in everything I'm doing. That helps them in their objective of fishing, hunting, trapping, land management, whatever it is. And again, that goes back to, you know, like I was telling you about uh, Raven, just getting, getting a good feeling about helping somebody get what they want, making somebody else's day. Um, there are a lot of people that aren't like that. And I, I've met a good fair share of them in all of my you know, worldly travels, if you will, that just don't, they don't care if you have a good day, bad day. They don't care if you succeed or fail. And, you know, um, they have no desire to help you with anything. I don't know what it is about people like that. I don't, you know, and I don't necessarily know if I need to know yeah. why they're like that. But I would say, as a I'm summary, just not that. <laughs> yeah, no, and and it's not. It's not that. It's not that kind. It's not that kind. People have not gone through some like hard stuff, oh, yeah. right? But uh, I do think, unfortunately, a lot of that is hurt, hurt people, hurt people, you know, yeah. or like, mm-hmm. like, um, unfortunately, a lot of a lot, like there are there are people, I'm sure, that are plain Jane, just a jerk, right? No matter yep. what you do, yeah. that's just, that's yeah. just like, that's, that's just that, that's just, yeah, it's their nature. But I really don't think for the majority that people um are bad like i think that i think people get raised um maybe that way or had circumstances that made them bitter or um or they haven't seen enough goodness to to like be able to get through some of that because we all have uh shit days and i have fun i even you know i have days where i i'm not so nice and i'm edgy and i am picking and i'm like ready to fight with somebody um i get like that all the time too so it's hard to um to say but i i definitely think i definitely think i would rather be on the side of even if I'm having a bad day, having helping someone else have a good day, because that might make mine just yep. like a little bit better. Yeah. You know? It, it, <laughs> yep. My my uh my mom will always say, just always smile at somebody. I uh, A, because you, you never know what they're going through, what impact that may have at on them or for them or to them. But you know they might smile back and you might need it just as much as they did. So, you know, I always try and be nice. I always try and say hi. I definitely, when anybody walks in the store, I engage them because I know what it's like, just like you said with your Bexlar experience, to walk into a store and not have anybody say anything to you. 
that you get the feeling I'm inconveniencing their day by being there, which is fine because I don't want to inconvenience my wallet by spending money there. Like with the archery program, I can't tell you how many kids we've had through there that, you know, last year I had a, a couple that it took me a better part of the year to get them to realize I'm there to help them learn something new, not to yell at them, not to, to you know reprimand them or get on them or whatever word you choose. And then I'm there to help them. And while they're there with me on their time, I am, you know, their guardian or protector, or their mentor, or whatever caretaker. Um, while they're with me during the program. And yeah, I had an incident where a couple kids were picking on some younger kids after school. The younger kids saw these two older kids walk in and, and literally dropped their equipment, went over to their mom and said, we're ready to go home. And like dropped their bow and their arrow, everything they were, you know, were, were trained not to do. They just got scared freaked out. You know, backstory comes out. So I pulled these two kids aside and I said, hey, here's the deal. This is what I was told. And the two kids got all defensive and said, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. I didn't do that to make it up. And I said, all I'm telling you, man, is I've been on the uh, firsthand witness side of an angry mom. And you do not want to see that <laughs> in person. Because, you know, when we were younger, we had some, some kids that were bullying us or whatever. And I saw my mom go mama bear and cut loose. And it scared me. I almost ran home and did because I'd never seen her like that. And I said, you get a mom, you get a mom after school mad. I'm like the worst thing or the, the, the nicest thing you're going to hear all day is what I'm about to say to you. But I explained to him, I said, if anybody ever did this to you, while you're here, I would do the same thing for you guys and handle that because while you're here, you're all my responsibility and my job to take care of you, you know, protect you from anything that may be of concern or potentially harm you or make you uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form. And one kid got mad and quit, and the other, and I explained both in my study. I expect both of here at the next practice and at the tournament this weekend. One of them showed up, the other one quit. <clears throat> the one that showed up by the end of the season was a completely different kid altogether. And he says hi to me on the street. He smiles. He waves. He'll crack jokes with me every once in a while. And, and Raven worked at the school. And she's like, man, I don't know what the heck you did to him. But he constantly talk to me now and he wants to play games with me at recess and everything and they said it was one person that he didn't have yet that stuck up for him and showed that he was on his side even in the event where he was in trouble for something and that kid after that I don't think that kid will ever miss archery practice ever again because that you know and and 
his home life got a little bit better too because he wasn't acting out in any way, shape, or form. I was told by somebody who knows them. And, you know, I think you get that just in general. Most people in the world in general, but I know when I've gone out and, and hung out with other people in the outdoor community, for the most part, that's what I get is an over, overwhelming sense of everybody wants the best for you, you know, and, and they'll, you know, in a way, let you reel in their rod to, to catch the big fish instead of them doing it themselves, get to see you succeed. And, and uh, you know, have your, your uh, shining moment. They, in general, I think they, they all care. Uh, enough about other people to see yeah, but yeah you'll get the, the one guy every once in a while throwing up that middle finger saying it's my fish yeah egos egos are uh egos are a big thing in the outdoor world um yep. yeah and i think and i i don't think that i'm i think i'm pretty self-aware now but I definitely don't think I'm immune to like my own ego either I think that sometimes um I definitely have this at, at times this need to prove myself and um it's probably more rooted with uh wanting to prove myself to myself it really actually has nothing to do with anyone else typically um yep. And I have developed a lot more patience for other people. Uh, just being, being the outdoors has become like my whole personality now. Uh, yep. I, I just have to, because I don't think that most of the time there's ill intent behind it. Um, but I definitely have listened to my fair share of people telling me why they are better, smarter, <laughs> and just overall, overall, just more, you know, more equipped for whatever compared to myself yep. and others you know uh so you just kind of gotta yep. let it roll let it roll off <laughs> yep. the time. yeah and i <laughs> i've had to learn the same thing and, and you know i've had that uh evolution more so since becoming a parent uh before I had kids, which I never thought I would have kids, but it's the best thing to ever happen to me. I, I was, I, I'd let stuff like that get to me. And now that I've gotten older, I just look back and I'm like, well, I've got my stories and they've got theirs. And I'm pretty sure my stories are, my storybook's a little thicker. So yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, and, you know, and they can say all they want, but what besides having a business like from a and not even that so like anything outdoors mm -hmm. we're talking hunting fishing hiking camping whatever there are lots of ways um that you could possibly make it your job right or part of your mm -hmm. job 
making money doing it. You can become a writer. You can become a YouTube sensation. You can open up a store. You can have a podcast. You can do a lot of things in the outdoor industry um, to make yourself, you know, well known. All, all of, I mean, you can. You absolutely can if if you, if you want if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. But the the that part of it the like competitive ego thing that a lot of us have done or do or experience if you like sit back and like like pick that apart it's wild to me because you did not get into hunting and fishing and through hiking to compete with anybody you did it because you love the outdoors you wanted something that made you feel good inside you are not doing it to please anyone besides yourself and maybe your dinner table. Like, Correct. you know, it's crazy. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think that's why in general, you see more of the outdoors community cheering you on. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said before, letting you reel in the big fish and and have your moment um and and i think realistically that's the only way that you can survive in whatever you choose to do business-wise is um you've got to be happy for other people you know you've got to be um, supportive of other people you've got to I mean just today I ended up I had to, had to um, send a customer up to another store who you know other people said would be my biggest competitor um, because they had the jig that I couldn't get I've tried getting it for close to a month now can't get they can't get the company to uh, respond back to me and I just said hey I saw in a picture on Facebook they've got them sitting on the glass countertop up there you know go over there and and uh, I hope they have all the stuff you're looking for but if you want it to get on the water and get out there and catch fish you're gonna, unfortunately gonna have to go up there you know somebody lives in town which is why I say it's unfortunately you have to go up there because any shop that sells bait and tackle for me is at least a 40 minute drive. Yeah. And so, you know, he had essentially almost an hour commute just to pick up six bucks worth of tackle, you know? Um, but, you know, my, my goal in everything is to help people get outdoor in whatever area of outdoors it is they want and part of that is to you know again like we had talked about before being the little traffic director for helping people out if i don't have it i i tell them where it's at now if i have to do that often enough then yeah you're definitely you know you can bet that i'm probably going to be trying to get that stuff into my store because you know, I, I don't like sending people elsewhere as a business owner, but I do like to see people be successful in 
whatever they're doing outdoor. And sometimes that's not anything I can help them with other than giving them information and, and helping them track down a product. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think that stuff comes back around, um, you know, like, I, I think that's, I think that's such a great point, um, is to be successful. I, I really think in life, like at some point it catches up with you. I think you have to be happy for people, um, or just, or not punish yourself, at least not punish yourself because you are not, I don't know, doing whatever there, you know, if you're comparing yourself to them, um, just be happy for people. And it comes back around, I think, but I, but Adam, we've talked for a couple hours now and I'm just, I'm really, really grateful for your time. I, um, I just wanted to ask, uh, do you have any parting, um, like words of wisdom for our listeners? Well, um, just in the aspect of, you know, some of the things we we've talked about, what initially got us together, uh, to do this, which was, um, a comment that started from your post on mentoring is get out and try it. Um, you know, it, it, nobody in this community, um, doesn't want to see you or more people get out and try it. Um, you know, and not that many people want to go fishing alone. I, uh, everybody needs a fishing buddy and, uh, to gain a new one is, uh, something that doesn't seem to be happening often enough. And some of the other stuff, you know, like, I, uh, your bear hunting and my pheasant hunting, um, you don't know if you'll like it until you try it. You can hear the stories of other people and want to do it, want to do it, want to do it. But you never really know uh, until you take that that step. And there's plenty of programs and opportunities to help you do that without having to sink a thousand dollars to just try it out. Um, you know, and I know in, in my journey through here, I've met plenty of people that were willing to loan me almost anything I needed to go try something out or take me along. And that, that's just the biggest things. You got to get out there and try it. Get outside. Um, and uh, you know, as far as uh, owning a place, uh, it, it's well worth it. Um, like I said, it's like a bonfire on a Saturday on the beach every day. But you got to put in a long work week to get to that that beach and that bonfire. So, um, you know, and that's not just here, but for any any small place like that, something to keep in mind when you show up and and, and take a look through their store. It's it's a lot of work to put something together for everybody. And you know, just like this week, the river's been up, and and there hasn't been a whole lot of people fishing the river here. And, and you know, we've seen in foot traffic, so it. it cost us a lot of money. I had a customer one time tell me when he saw that we expanded the store, he goes, oh, this looks good. I guess all it takes is money. And just without even thinking, I said, no, it takes customers and sales. I kind of, I kind of felt bad afterwards. So I don't think that guy was expecting that response, but it does, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And I can tell you that because I've sunk just about my entire life savings into um, 
or have made plans for it um, to grow this place into what we want. And I can do that all day long, but if I don't have people in the store and at that cash register, I've just uh, compiled the world's largest collection of hunting gear that I need to justify somehow by uh, hunting and fishing every day for the rest of my life uh, to try and use everything I can and then never hear the end of it from my fiance when <laughs> she looks at my entire building full of uh, outdoors product. So, um, but yeah, you know, like I said, um, get out there and try it. Get it, get it in touch with you know you or, or anybody else. Uh, you know, any of the old people, they love to take somebody with them. And uh, it's well worth it. You won't regret the trip. That's solid advice. <laughs> thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you again, Adam, so much for being on the podcast. We support you and appreciate you and are so glad to know you. And thank you everyone for being here. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And I absolutely love you guys. Leave us a review on Apple. And until next time, get out there.